everyone, and welcome back to our first off-season episode of The Real Steel, where we talk all things Pittsburgh Steelers, no BS, just The Real Steel. I'm your host, Jeff Schmidt, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Polt. So it's the week of the AFC and NFC Championships. We took a week off recording to kind of let the dust settle a little bit and fully gather our thoughts around the culmination of the Steelers season and thought that we could put together a little episode kind of summarizing the season, breaking things down a bit, and then we'll top it off with some postseason awards from our end. And Paul, I know you have a lot of stats that you're going to bring the listeners as well. Oh, yeah, I am locked and loaded with all the stats, offensive and defensive, to kind of put a a cherry on top or a bow, wrap up the season. Um, So, yeah, I'm excited to go through those. I think there's some some good ones that will be eye-opening for some of the listeners, and it'll be good to discuss it and talk about this year that it was. All right, good stuff. So where do you want to start? I mean, obviously, we can take a look at the team on the surface. The Steelers finished 9-8. and We're 15th in the NFL, if you look at that in terms of a reverse draft order. Really just one game shy of playoffs. I think you could argue we were the first team out um, of the 14 that missed. And we know the story of of how we strung together some wins uh, post-bye and and Mike Tomlin put together his 16th consecutive non-losing season. Just crazy. But do you want to start on the defense? I think that might be a good good place to, to start. Yeah, we could definitely start there. So I have some stats that we'll, I guess we'll start with that kind of just, you know, give all the the answers to where we finished to, to end the year. So total stats for the year. And we'll just start with like in points. We, we were the 10th overall scoring defense, um, which with kind of how the beginning of the year went with the, the Buffalo game, the, the Philly game, the mm-hmm. – the one Bengals game, like it's kind of shocking to hear that, but we, we gave up 20.4 points a game. So that, that was 10th. We were 13th in total yards, giving up 330 a game. Ninth in rushing defense, which was a huge, huge change from last year as we oh, sucked yeah. last year against the run. So I think there was definitely some, some key additions to help with that. We gave up 108 yards a game rushing. And then passing, we were 19th, giving up 222.3 yards per game. So the stats kind of tell you what, what you think most people probably watched. We we played better down the stretch, which kind of helped all of our stats get better. But the secondary is definitely the weak spot of the, of the defense. Yeah, you could argue like looking at those numbers. And, and I know in future episodes, we're going to talk about this. and We've talked about this all the time. We have a lot of needs to fill in the offseason and, and through the draft. Yeah. But, you know, just looking at those numbers, you could definitely make the case that cornerback is a pretty significant need for this team. Yeah, it, I mean, it absolutely has to be. And and there's some positives out of the secondary, though, too. Like, we did lead the, the entire NFL interceptions with 20. But we're also giving up almost 225 yards passing a game. Sure. Yeah, we have some some pretty distinct ball hawks, I would say, on the defense. We obviously know that Minka is one. Cam Sutton, we'll talk about later, had a really good year. Yeah. Um, but it's the guys, to me, like like Witherspoon and Levi Wallace that we kind of brought in on short-term deals and hoping that they would perform. And I think really what they've showed is that they're probably like cornerback number three on the team. Like we need a real, you know, a real lockdown corner and and probably someone else to help build that room. I would hope that maybe we draft someone um, and maybe um, we, we bring in a free agent too. Who knows? Trade for Jalen Ramsey. Uh, I don't know if I actually want that, but yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, Kim Sutton's a very good player, but we had to flip from him between being an outside corner to an inside corner. And we just, we need that shutdown corner out wide to, to kind of take some of the pressure off. So a couple negatives of the defense though, I'll have to say 
turnovers. So we were first in interceptions with 20. We only had 23 total turnovers, which was 14th in the league. Mm-hmm. We, we, we were la- dead last in fumbles defensively. We only, we only f- forced three fumbles, which is actually an interesting stat because I feel like in previous years we, we caused a lot more fumbles, and I feel like a lot of those were strip sacks. A lot and of strip sacks. I guess we didn't get that this year. Well, I mean, you think about the time that TJ was out. We know right. we love TJ. We talk about how he's a game record. We're going to talk about that in this episode, too. Yeah, I think that points to a lot of it, you know, him being out um, and some of those games that he's not playing. I think we can look to the stats that we had in those specific games as well, being a, a lot worse on the defense as well. So I, yeah. I think that's, you know, an interesting point about the fumbles. I, I haven't really dug into that. Yeah, that was kind of a shocking stat to me, too. I didn't realize that we were that we had that few fumbles just two other quick ones for like final season recaps um definitely things we need to improve on our, our red zone conversion defense so the percentage of time we gave up a touchdown when the opposing team was in the red zone we were 17th in the league 55.3 percent of the time we gave up a touchdown hmm. it seems like a pretty high number for a defense that's supposed to be top 10 and, and was top 10 in scoring defense so it, it seems like we we always talk about the bend don't break mentality yep it seemed like we bent and then we would break every single, like more than half the time. That's exactly where I was going too. I was going to say exactly that. We have traditionally been a team where we can let, I mean, much different from the early 2000s Steelers, but yeah. in today's, today's Steelers that we know, we can let up a lot of yards, but we're pretty well, uh, traditionally we do pretty well uh, preventing teams from scoring in the red zone. And that was definitely not the case this year. As you said. And yeah. And then the second one would be third down conversions. We were 18th in the league. We, we gave up conversions on 39.4% of the third downs. So yeah. 40% clip against us. And you can kind of notice in the games that we lost or struggled in defensively, we couldn't get off the field on third downs. So I think, I think these stats kind of make sense with what we saw this year. Yeah. So for the listeners, what Polt and I decided is we kind of step through the positional groups. We want to award, a balls of steel for the season to every different group. And so let's start with the balls of steel for the season on defense. And I'll let you go first, Paul. Yeah. And it's a guy that we've kind of touched on already. I, I got to give it to Cam Sutton. And, and I know that might be a weird pick to some people, but he was a really solid player for us. And I feel like he, he really held down the fort on the back end. Like you said, guys like Akella Witherspoon and Levi Wallace missed a bunch of games and and I feel like Sutton was always in there, and Sutton was very versatile playing inside, outside. He had 15 pass, passes defended to lead our team. He, if you look at all the PFF grades, which you know just looks at all of their snaps and tries to give them a, a grading for how well they played, I think he's one of our highest defenders for the year. I just think he made a huge impact, and I'm pretty sure he's a free agent. We need to prioritize yeah. bringing him back because yeah. he was a stud, and he made a huge difference on the outside. He made a case this year to get himself paid. To me, he is the number one candidate that we need to bring back this year. And I think yeah. we'll have an episode maybe, maybe dedicated to that type of stuff For um, sure. in, in the next few weeks here. But um, I think that's a great pick with, with Cam Sutton. I mean, three interceptions is, is a really good number to have. Yeah, it's third um, on the team, actually, too. Yeah, so, so great pick. You know, I think for mine, I'm going to go It's probably a little bit predictable, but I'm going to go with Alex Highsmith. I think yeah. he just really stepped into his role. Now, you know, you could definitely make the argument that in the games that TJ Watt uh, was not present, that Alex Smith didn't necessarily perform as high caliber, which I think is, is fair. We know what TJ does, but I do think that you could argue 
that the Steelers may have the best passing rush duo um, in the NFL. I think Alex Highsmith had a hell of a year yeah. just in terms of, you know, his tackle 63. I think that's seventh or eighth on the team. He's second only behind Cam Hayward and tackles for loss. And as we know, 14 and a half sacks on the season, I think that was like top seven in the NFL. Um, he had a really, really good year. Great to see Alex Highsmith. I also think while not a free agent, he could get a, a contract negotiation or, a, a you know, get some money there for himself as well. So I'm going to go with Alex Highsmith. I really like what he brought our team this year. Yeah, he was sixth in the entire NFL in, in sacks this year with 14 and a half. And, and the Steelers, I think, have already made it a point to say that they, they uh, getting an extension with him is, is a priority this offseason. Just one more thing to throw at you for Highsmith. He's only the third Steeler ever to record 14-plus sacks and five-plus forced fumbles in a season. And the other two guys were James Harrison, defensive MVP, and, and, and T.J. Watt, defensive MVP. D- T.J.'s sure. done it twice. Harrison's done it once. And that's pretty good company to be in. So Very good company. So, yeah, Highsmith's High definitely very, very deserving. So yeah. speaking of that T.J. Watt guy, do you want me to dive into some of these with sure. and without T.J.? Yeah, go for it. I think this is really neat. Yeah, so for the listeners, I kind of broke down. There was seven games we played this year when TJ didn't play. So it was week two through eight. And then there was 10 games, week one, and then weeks 10 through 18 that we played with TJ Watt. And some of these numbers are kind of mind-boggling if you, if you look at them. So let's just start with points. We gave up 25.3 points per game when TJ did not play. Or when TJ did not play. When he did play, we gave up 16.9. Wow. That's a that's a six point, point swing. swing, ten point swing, right? You said twenty five. Oh yeah, I'm 16, sorry. I can't, nine point. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. My bad. <laughs> that's bad math. But I mean, yeah, that's a huge difference. I mean, that's the difference between us winning games with a bad offense or losing games with a bad offense. So then you go into we talk about the secondary, right? We said the secondary struggles. Well, part of the reason why we struggled was because we couldn't get any um, pressure on the quarterbacks. They had right. to go back there and they had to cover. In games without T.J. Watt, we gave up 274 passing yards. In games with him, we gave up 186. Hmm. On top of that, without him, we had four interceptions. With him, we had 16. That's crazy. 16 to four in interceptions. And again, it's it's, it's sure maybe and, and you got to take all these stats, you know, with and the a grain teams of salt. You play, right? I mean, that's teams you play well. in situations, and there's outliers and this and that. But I mean, if you just look at the trends, it, he makes a big difference, even if he's not sacking the quarterback. He still makes a big difference. I mean, he ended up with five and a half sacks, but he makes a huge difference. Yeah, those, that, those, are, those are great stats there. I mean, we know what TJ brings to this team. Let's pray that, you know, in all the years that he stays a Steeler, that he stays healthy. Yeah. Um, we need him, and, and it's pretty clear what he does for our team when that dude is playing ball. So oh, absolutely. The other two just were rushing yards. We gave up 116 without him and 103 with him. I mean, it's 13 yards, but still they can't run the ball as well. Just TJ being on the field matters. And, and our defense is predicated on him being on the field. We are not the same team without him. So I just think those numbers really stood out this year. So that was, that was interesting to look at. Yeah, no, I like that you did that. That's, that's a good way to kind of tie a bow here on, on the season for the defense. Let's move on to special teams, uh, and I'm not sure what stats you have there, but I kind of want to approach it from, from this angle. You know, if you think of special teams being four elements of the game, right? You have kicking, you have yeah. punting, you have kickoffs, and you have returns. I think 
in some areas you could argue there was a little bit of improvement, but I think in other areas there definitely was not improvement. And yeah. if you look at the punting piece of the ball, right, Presley Harvin has had his ups and downs, I guess you could say, in his first couple years as a Steeler. Um, it didn't look like he started off the season too strong, but I think just solely the fact that we didn't really have to talk about him very much towards the back half of the season um, made him kind of flip the script a little bit. So I do think that it was an improvement from last year. Um, I hope that in his third year, he'll continue to get better punting the ball. Um, see if we stick with him. I mean, he's a cheap option, but it's not like a punter's a, an expensive player to bring in anyways. No. Um, but I do think there was a little bit of an improvement uh, compared to last year, and hopefully that's an area where we continue to grow. The, the way you said it was perfect. We didn't have to talk about him at the end of the year, and, and that's important when you're a punter. You either want to be talked about because you made unbelievable punts or you don't want to be talked about at all. And they kind of – he ranked 28th in the league out of 34 punters in gross average yardage with 44.5. But in net yardage, so I think that includes the, the returns, he, he was 19th at 41 yards a punt. So it, it looks like he really didn't give up many returns, which, which is really good. Yeah, and there were a couple punts he had at the back half of the season that, that were really well. Like, we pinned a couple punts down and into the end zone. And, I mean, we drafted him because we know he has a leg, I think. Yeah. He clearly struggles with, you know, and maybe he's a little bit of a head case. Who knows? But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens in, in year three with Presley Harvin. Um, let's talk about kicking just for a second. Obviously, we had Boswell out on IR for a few weeks, and so we had to bring in an, another kicker. But this is an area where we definitely, I think, went down a notch uh, in terms of performance this year. Do you have the numbers on, on field goal conversions, or can we bring that up? What's... Yeah, I'm trying to look for him. I mean, I know what he was. He was um, twelve of he twenty. Was... Twelve of twenty was Boswell. Uh, he, no, no, sorry, he was twenty, 20 of twenty-eight. 20. Yep. Sorry, uh, twenty of twenty-eight. So that's a seventy-one 71. percentage. That's pretty low, um, given he's he's. I think in the yeah. Actually, here I have I have the stats out of all forty kickers that kicked this year. He was thirty-eighth out of forty in terms of percentage. In terms of uh, field goal percentage. Yeah, so definitely a low year. You, you know, you could argue maybe we think he wasn't fully healthy or came off IR too early or something. Which is definitely a good argument. I mean, we, um, know, we know what he's done in his in his career, so that's definitely possible. I think the safe argument or the safe thing that we can say there is we know what he's capable of and we know how important a kicker can be in a game. Yeah. So if we get Boz back to what Boz was, uh, we should be in good shape for next year from a kicking perspective. Yeah, agreed. How about the return and... Um, the kickoff coverage because I think these are two areas where you know the Steelers have been lacking for quite a few years <laughs> yeah I, I agree we, we've ever since honestly it feels like ever since AB left we haven't been able to find a steady return returner like Ray Ray McLeod was okay but I don't I didn't really think he did anything special but I, I did feel like Steven Sims kind of solidified that return game uh Gunnar Olszewski as we've touched on numerous times really struggled earlier in the year but I think Steven Sims made a big difference on the back end yeah I agree I think we were looking very you know much forward to when Steven Sims was going to come in when Gunnar was going to get benched and I think early on Sims showed a few flashes like he looked like he's a good returner 
And returning is so finicky in the NFL, right? I feel like you can be a really good returner and just based on, on the coverage team or, you know, the hang time on the ball or the positioning of the ball, you might not be able to get a good return in you at all. So yeah, um, I am looking forward to what Sims, you know, could continue to bring in next year. And quite frankly, he might have some competition if Calvin Austin is the one who um, might compete to run back some kicks. So yeah. Uh, We'll see. We're, we're, I think we, both you and I, are pretty high on Calvin Austin. I also think that the fan base is pretty darn high on Calvin Austin. Yeah. We're expecting this guy to be Tyree Kill Jr., and who knows if he's going to be anywhere near that good. Hey, I mean, I, if just to touch on him real quick, I think just all the info coming out about him is awesome, though. He, he's is. so focused on being in the building right now, getting all of his treatment, so that he can be prepared when Kenny has these – these because Kenny Pickett, if you haven't seen, has talked about he's going to fly his receivers to Florida and New Jersey and, and work out with them. And Calvin Austin has made it very known he's going to be there and he wants to be there. So he's trying to put the time in and the effort in and try to make a connection with Kenny. And I think that's that's really good out of him. Yeah. So hopefully that's continued improvement. But the the kickoff coverage. Yeah. Sorry to change the subject. There, I but, think was trash. Yeah, and our kickoff coverage has been has been horrible for for years and uh, and we just continue to bring back. Th- the same special teams coordinator and it just it just doesn't make sense but i think it was a little better this year but it yeah we still had games where we couldn't we couldn't catch anybody who returned it yeah so balls of steel for the season for special teams i think i'm gonna go to steven sims just because i like the flash that he brought us and i don't really think anyone else is getting noteworthy uh, of it, at least from from my perspective. What about you? Yeah, I agree. Uh, kind of on what we just touched on, I'm going to go with Miles Boykin, which is a name people might not know or, or think about. But Miles Boykin was one of our gunners on both kickoffs and, and uh, punts. And I think he made a huge difference. He had 10 special teams tackles. And then he missed one game this week. It was week 12 at the Colts. That's the game we gave up 222 yards on kick returns. Yep, I, I think his that. impact was important. So I'll yep. give it to Miles Boykin. Good pick. All right, let's move into the offense. I think we have a lot to talk about here, and I'm going to let you lead in uh, with any type of stats that you might have. In. Yeah, and this is the this is the fun part because this is the the flip of the defense. The defense was a lot of positives. The offense, you could argue, is a lot of negatives. Um, <laughs> in points, we we finished 26th in the league, only averaging 18 points per game, and that's where we go with the defensive stats with TJ. Him being there and giving up 17 points with him. <laughs> is a very important when you're only scoring 18 points a game. Right. Um, total yards, we were 23rd. We had, we averaged 322 yards per game. Rushing, we actually ended up 16th uh, with 122 yards a game, which is an awesome improvement, again, off of what we've done the last couple of years. So testament to nausea in that offensive line for kind of getting it rolling. And then the passing game, we really struggled. 24th, only averaged 200 yards a game. Um, I think the passing game is definitely going to be one of our main – our main points where we need to improve to get better next year. Yeah. I look at, you know, I mentioned this last year, but the thing I look at the most, it just screams out to me is that we did not have a 1000 yard receiver this year. And it's not like we have that all the time. I think going through it, I mentioned maybe it was what four of the last 12 or 15 years or something where we didn't have one, but yeah, I think in today's NFL that some could argue is, you know, a little bit more pass heavy, you need to to really get your passing game going and and to be that low on the totem pole um i think is is you know not a good place to be and i think it's obviously pretty frustrating to watch as well yeah yeah i completely agree just some other stats everybody wants to talk about Kenny Pickett's interceptions um i think this will kind of 
put it to bed. It, it wasn't as bad as everybody thinks. As a team, we were 17th in the league in, in interceptions. Uh, we only had 14 as a team, which is a lot, but we were 17th out of all qualified teams. On the flip side, we had five fumbles, which was actually the second most in the league. So we came in, we had, we had the fourth most tor- turnover or fourth best turnovers uh, with 19. Um, it's a pretty clean year, but we got to, we got to hold on to the ball a little bit better, I guess. I didn't realize we fumbled that many times, but yeah, that's what the numbers say. Talking about the interceptions, I think is really interesting. A lot of people kind of want to talk about Kenny and his stat line, right? Seven touchdowns, nine interceptions, and how that's, you know, not necessarily good. Yeah. Um, a good starting freshman year campaign, you could say. Um, but I, I want to say this. Kenny accounted for three rushing touchdowns. And a lot of quarterbacks True. don't do that. So if you add in those three rushing touchdowns, to make his touchdowns up to 10. And we know that a lot of those interceptions, I think we might've talked about it. I'm not sure if you have it, but there is a PFF thing that basically said a lot of the interceptions that he threw shouldn't really have been interceptions. Um, So I think Kenny had statistically his stat sheet's going to tell you a different story than, than what, you know, how he actually performed, I guess you could say. Um, so I, I just wanted to bring that to attention. I, I kind of like adding in his rushing touchdowns to his, uh, to his passing. Well, stat. no, it's important because, I mean, if you look at guys like Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts, that, that does – they do add them in, and, and you should because they all – what those touchdowns matter. It's not just – I mean, that's another element of the game that they bring. So Yeah, and I, Mitch threw five interceptions too, right? We had three-game interception Mitch. We had a three-game interception Kenny too. Yeah, um, yeah but, Kenny only had nine picks, which uh, it's a lot, but I mean, it's not that bad. I mean, for, for reference, just one more time, just before we move off this, Mahomes had 12. Dak Prescott had 15. Josh Allen had 14. I mean, that's kind of what they do in, in this this league right now. It's a little bit guns, a lot of gunslingers, and Ben would have loved it because you can throw some picks and nobody really cares. Yeah. So then just a couple more stats. Um, I thought these were really interesting. We led the league in plays per drive. At six and a half plays per drive, which honestly probably, not surprising though. No, because I mean, we, we talked about all of our touchdown drives and all of our good drives were long, methodical drives. Yeah. Uh, with that, we were second in time per drive at three minutes a drive, which was which is a lot. And then we were seventh and third down conversion at forty five percent of the time we converted with a young quarterback and you know a lot of young offensive pieces. That's that's really not that bad. Yeah. Then two, two more, and then we can move on. Yards per drive, though, we were 17th, and that's where we start running into issues. We, we only averaged 31 yards per drive, so we're getting all these plays, but we're kicking a lot of field goals. And then red zone conversion, again, a lot of field goals. We were 23rd. We only converted 52% of the time. So not good when you're giving up more touch, a higher percentage of touchdowns in the red zone than you're scoring. That's, and when you're struggling kicker, too, like we talked about. I mean, that's, that's points on the board right there. So Absolutely. I think the positive side that I see here is these are all areas where the Steelers can improve. Yeah. And, and I think I'm not just saying that as being a diehard fan. I think legitimately you look on paper, these are areas where we can absolutely improve and, and most signs would point to the fact that we can do so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at all of our, our main players on offense, they're all like under 27 years old or something like that. I, I mean, we have a lot of room for growth, a lot of young talent, and let's just see what they form into. Okay, so I'm going to lead in here with the balls of steel for the offense uh, for the season, and I'm going to go uh, just with Najee. Um, again, yeah. so many people wrote him off uh, the, the first half of the year. We knew he was struggling with injury, um, but he played – uh, 
17 games, played his way into all the games, right? He didn't miss a game, did he? No. Yeah. And uh, 272 carries for 100, sorry, 1,034 yards. It's always a good thing when you can have a running back crack that 1,000-yard mark, especially when you have, I could argue now, a a dual threat in terms of the backfield, right? He was definitely splitting carries towards the middle and the back part of the season. So led the team in touchdowns with seven uh, on the ground. He also had three receiving touchdowns. what do you have here? 41 receptions um, on 53 targets for 229 yards. And it's pretty good receiving touchdowns. So um, Najee is, is clearly a veteran presence on this young team, which is wild to think about, but um, yeah. I, I love what he brings to this team. And, and uh, I'm grateful that, that he's a stealer. Yeah, me too. And it's hard not to pick Najee. He had a great year for me. I'm going to go with another kind of pick that might not, that might be surprising to people. I'm going to go with Pat Fryermuth. Um, I thought Muth had a, had a great year and some of his statistics were way better than I expected. He was second on the team in targets only behind Don, Deontay Johnson with 98. He was second on the team in catches with 63 and he was third on the team in yards with 732. And he had two touchdowns to go with that. I just thought Muth had a really big impact in the passing game, became one of the most reliable uh, targets for Kenny to throw to. And I just love seeing his continued growth. And I know he struggles blocking sometimes, but it seemed like he really got better at that towards the end of the year. And I, I just like the energy he had. So I'm going to give it to Fryer Muth. Nice. I, I like that pick of Pat. And, and you know, we had positive news um, coming out a couple of weeks ago after his injury. Non-surgical. Yeah. Looks like he should be able to pick things up next season. And uh, I, I love what Pat brings to this team as well. So uh, that's a good pick. I like that a lot. So yeah. I, I like these awards. Let's just rattle off a couple more of them. I, I just want to go through a few, um, and then we'll, we'll talk just for a few more minutes here. How about the biggest surprise of the year? You, do you have a, a player who is the biggest surprise of the year for you? Yeah, I think my biggest surprise would, would be James Pierre. Uh, we kind of wrote he had a, we thought he had an opportunity last year to take a stronghold on one of those cornerback positions, and obviously we went out and signed a couple. So they the team didn't feel that he played very well. No, not, none of us did, and I thought he stepped in and played really good football, especially on the second half of the year. So James Pierre for me. Nice. I'm gonna go with Jalen Warren for mine. I mean, talk about a guy who no one really knew what we were gonna get with an undrafted free agent. Yeah, playing 16 games, almost 400 yards. Um, he had a, a, a touchdown, a rushing touchdown uh, for himself, and and he really showed that he can be kind of our, our split carrying back for Najee and really kind of step in when, when Najee needs a break there. So that's something that I feel like we haven't had since, I don't know. I have no idea even when. I mean, Richard Mendenhall and Willie Parker, is that, is that when they – did we have them together? No, Willie Parker was no. with us. Um yeah. Who was D'Angelo Williams with? He was, was he with Le'Veon Bell for a little bit. At the he season? was with Le'Veon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I think this is, this is great to have this kind of dual threat. So um, I'm going yeah, with, with Jalen Warren there. Good How pick. about your rookie of the year? Do you give a rookie of the year? We have some good ones. Yeah. I, I'm going to give it to Jalen Warren would have been a good pick, but I'm gonna give it to, to George Pickens. Um, like I said, he had eight, he led, he was second in the team in yards, 801 yards on 52 catches, four touchdowns. He led the team in receiving touchdowns. I just thought he stepped in and, and really kind of became the number one target. And it was awesome to see him come in and have an immediate impact. And I can't wait to see him continue to grow. Yeah. I, I like that pick for, for GP. Um, I think all signs here would, would kind of point to Kenny uh, to go rookie of the year, but I'm just going to stray away from that just because I, I would pick him for other things. Yeah. 
I'm going to go with Connor Hayward. I mean, another guy that we really thought, you know, who would have thought you would get that much productivity out of, out of him. And it's not like his stat line is anything crazy, but he stepped up in some of the really big moments. He stepped up when Pat Fryermuth got hurt. He stepped up in that Atlanta game and kind of paid tribute to his dad, which was really, really cool. I think Connor Hayward has really shown that he can be an asset to this team moving forward, and he was a steal whenever we got him in the draft. So I I think I'm going to go with Connor Hayward there. Yeah, he solidified the number two tight end spot for next year. So, I mean, that's awesome. We, We couldn't have asked for anything more. Yeah. Okay. How about most underrated? I'll start off here just with a a player that maybe they just don't get the credit that they deserve. And I'm going to go with Mason Cole. I think so many people have overlooked what Mason Cole um, was able to do for our team. We talked about how our offensive line was able to stick together and everyone thought that our offensive line was going to be one of the worst in the NFL. And we ended up middle of the pack. And when you end up middle of the pack, when everyone thinks you're going to be the worst in the NFL, I think that's pretty darn good. And I think Mason Cole really was the anchor there. And and at center, he had a really good job. I can't remember a specific play. Maybe there was one or a couple, but I can't remember any type of botched snaps. No. It seems like that happens to a lot of teams here and there, right? You always kind of remember some of those plays. Mason Cole, solid job. I'm, I'm going to give it to him for the most underrated. And I love this attitude in the locker room. Some of the best quotes, most team-oriented quotes came from him this year. So that was awesome. I'm going to give mine to – maybe he's not really all that underrated anymore, but he definitely was coming into the year. Terrell Edmonds, I I know we we signed him to a one-year deal, didn't give him his fifth-year option, and I think he came in and just showed why he deserves to get paid. And that's another guy where we need to give him a contract. He had 70 tackles, five passes, defense, two two sacks. For somebody that did not enjoy Terrell Edmonds for the first two, three years of his career – I'm pleasantly surprised with how good he is now. And I think he's very underappreciated by the Steelers. Me too. I hope we sign him. We'll see yeah. what happens. Um, he, he's a really good pick. All right. I'm going to flip the script here and go a little bit negative. Um, how about the biggest disappointment? Just the biggest, not, not our jag off. We're going to save that. But the biggest disappointment for you this season. Yeah, I think it's hard to pick a disappointment on your, from your team. But I, I think I'm going to go with Gunnar Olszewski. Um, man, I had such high hopes for that <laughs> signing. It, it's hard to put in. I, mean, I was so happy. He was a Belichick guy. He played, he was a really good returner for Belichick. I thought he could come in and maybe be a slot guy. And he did none of that. I mean, he got benched as the returner week four, I think. And he didn't really do anything in the receiving game either. So I had high hopes and he just didn't pan out. So Gunner, there you go. Good pick. I'm going to go with the Kello Witherspoon. Um, Great pick. I had high expectations for him. I really thought that he was going to be our stand-in, maybe even cornerback one, Yeah, if, if he played his way into it. But he ended up playing four games, ended up with like 20 tackles. He did have an interception, but really nothing noteworthy. Um, I'm very yeah. disappointed in Nikella Witherspoon's, and uh, I think he's probably – is he is, – he up did we just sign him to to one year or whatever i believe he was a one year let me let me check that real quick but he only played in four games Uh, it's hard when you when you sign this guy in the offseason it looks like we signed him to a two-year contract um you expect him to play and he just he didn't play so they they can cut him uh he we have a potential out for uh, before this next year Okay. Um, we'll see what we end up doing with him, but he is under contract for $4 million next year. And he's yeah. not worth 4 million for sure. 
All right. Any other awards you want to give before we go to the jag off of the season? Uh, no, I think we've, I think we've hit on pretty much everything. Did you want to do a team MVP? Yeah, I could. Get, I mean, my team MVPs. It's an obvious choice. I have to go with Minka Fitzpatrick. The, the kind of impact that guy makes on our football team is is unbelievable. And to have seven interceptions, I think, is what it was to to be tied for the lead in the entire or six. I'm sorry, to be tied for the lead league league lead. I mean, come on, Minka was the man. He's an All Pro Pro Bowler. Minka Fitzpatrick, ball hawk. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if I can top that. Um, you know, I think offense giving it to Najee, defense Highsmith. Mink is there. I mean, maybe I'd just give it to Kenny. I'm on the Kenny train. I think just being able to see some of the things that he's capable of doing, and I'm really looking forward to the growth that that he brings. So I'm I'm gonna go, I guess, with Kenny, and I'll give it a lot to him based for his attitude as well. Um, yeah, I think he has the intangibles. I think he is gonna be a really good leader. I think we saw that he was NFL ready. Um, and I think he'll continue to grow. I think his sophomore season could be great. So I'll give team MVP to Kenny, even though it might be a little bit of a cop out there, but uh, it's less of a cop out than mine. So I think it's a good pick. All right. So let's do the last one here. This is going to be our jag off of the season. I'm going to lead things in here and I'm just going to go with, I think the jag off that has gotten most of my jag offs of the week, <laughs> Deontay Johnson. Um, you know, I, I love Deontay Johnson. I, I want him to do well. I want him to be a, a stud receiver for the Steelers. I think he can be. I still am, you know, I'm high on him. I think he's one of the guys that is the best, one of the best route runners in the NFL. Um, but I think he just had an awful year. Um, we saw that he set the record. I think it was like 86 catches without a touchdown. Um, that's never happened before. He set that record. Yeah. Uh, he had like 150 targets. I'm looking at the number 147, and he had 80 catch, 86 catches, 86 out of 147. That's a 58.5 catch percentage. That's terrible. Now, granted, you have to cut him a little bit of slack. All of those targets were not catchable or really weren't his fault. But 59 percent is not good. Yeah, that's not good at all. Um, I, I also think he has shown that he's a little bit of a head case, right? We, yeah. we saw some of the things that were floating around. Um, oh, he's not following the Steelers on Instagram or whatever. And whether that's true or not, who knows? But um, I, I think Deontay Johnson could be a player, not to say he's AB, but he could be a player that come week four, week five of next season, maybe he hasn't caught any touchdowns yet. And all of a sudden he wants out and he wants to be traded. Um who knows? I hope that doesn't happen, but um, I'm just going to roll with Deontay Johnson this this year for my Jag off of the year. Nice. That's that's a good one. <laughs> no. I, mean, I think everybody was kind of expecting that one. Yeah. How about you? What are you going to do here? So my Jag off, I think, is it could be a bit of a controversial Jag off of the year. Um, I'm going to give the it the head. Remember, of the year. Yeah. I'm going to give it to head coach Mike Tomlin. What? And And – yeah, I know. It might sound crazy, especially – and I, I give him a lot of credit for – this team was 2-6 and six at the bye, and we we turned it around and, and went 9-8. and eight. And and I do give him a ton of credit for that. But my, one of my main reasons for giving it to him is I think he completely botched the beginning of the year. And I think this team was a playoff team if he would have handled it but more appropriately. 
it just I don't understand what he was doing in the beginning of the year with the, the quarterback situation. The fact that Kenny got all third team reps pretty much in camp and then got no reps throughout the beginning of the season and then had no knowledge that he was even had a chance to play in that Jets game. Because if you look, if you listen to the Pat McAfee show from yeah, last yeah. week, Kenny said he had he had no idea he was going in. And Kenny, I mean, he was ready to go and he should have been ready to go because he's a professional. But I just feel like Tomlin, he was your first round draft pick. He was 20th overall, and I had high hopes for Mitch too, but you at least got to give this guy some opportunities to practice. And you, if you, and we'll go through these stats in a second. Pre and post buy was a big difference, and that's because Kenny had no work before he came in in the Jets game yeah. with the ones. His big, big, he threw the ball to Pickens so much because that's the only guy he knew, him and Connor Hayward. And so it's like I, I feel like Tomlin should have handled that better, could have handled it better, and that doesn't even touch on some of his assistant coaches. So – for me, I, I had to give it to Mike Tomlin. I think he really screwed up the quarterback situation this year. Okay, that's fair. And I didn't know you were going to go that route with, you know, Kenny not getting reps in the practicing and, and kind of leading the third team. And and we saw that Kenny looked really strong in the preseason. So yeah. I'm totally with you there. I think that makes sense. Now, my question to you is, are you mad at Tomlin for how he handled the quarterback situation in the sense of Kenny should have started earlier? Kenny should have started day one. Kenny should have started whatever from the get-go. I don't know if I start in week one. Um, I, I, I can go either way on that. I, I'm, I would have been fine starting Mitch, but I, I feel like I, I would have been okay with him starting one. I just don't like how they brought him in with no, no practice against the Jets in week four and then said, hey, Kenny, here's our four hardest matchups for the rest of the year yeah good luck dude like you're on you're on your first week of real practice with the first and you got to go play buffalo and buffalo i just think we we set them up for failure and and so i don't know if i would have started against the bengals but definitely before the the, the buffalo game that's fair Th- that's a you know a, a good point I, I do just want to talk to this for a minute because I would almost argue, aside from the practicing piece and Kenny not getting reps and not necessarily even knowing that he was getting put in the game when he got put in, yeah. Um, I think there were some things that were handled correctly in terms of, of playing Kenny. And the reason that I, I say that is because we brought Mitch in as a bridge quarterback, right? We knew yeah. what we were going to get with, with Mitch. And quite frankly, you had tape on Mitch. You, you saw his growth and you know, the backup quarterback behind Josh Allen kind of knew what we were going to get with Mitch. And the thing is, is if you bring that quarterback in and you let him start and he struggles, well, it's pretty easy to kind of pull him and put in the next best guy for backup, right? If Kenny goes in and struggles from week one, which inevitably he probably would, you know, even though he's NFL ready, whatever, he still might have his struggles. If it gets to the point where he has a couple games back to back where he's not playing well and we pull him or Tomlin does that thing where, oh, I wanted to go with the spark for the offense and switches him. You can't do that to a rookie and then put them back in later. I think that we had to let Mitch kind of ride out and run his time. And then put in Kenny when when we did, you know, I you, we could both argue that maybe no, Kenny could have just started a game or or not came in halfway through a game or something like that. I think that's fair, you know, give him a couple reps yeah. uh, after that Jets game and then let him come in the next week or or you know figure something out there. But right. um, I just don't think you can do that to a rookie's confidence. Start them and then pull them because inevitably that that happens a lot. 
again, you could argue that, okay, if he starts earlier, he gets to work out some of those kinks. So by the time we play the Dolphins, he doesn't have that type of game. Absolutely. I, I, I totally get that. Um, but I think he doesn't get to where he is right now if he didn't have to face the adversity of kind of sitting behind Mitch and coming in as the backup guy to kind of rally. That's my hot take. I'm laughing just because that sounds like a very big Tomlinism. That, that that's probably what Tomlin that the was probably adversity. his reasoning to to Kenny. You have to earn this spot. I mean, you took him twentieth overall. He earned his spot. You knew he was the, the franchise guy. But your point about uh, about struggling and then you know maybe getting benched that's horrible for for a young quarterback. Right. And, and Mitch kind of went through that. I don't know if he ever got benched, but Mitch went through that and look where he's gone. So that point, I completely agree. I just feel like. What they do the rest of the year, they let him fight through his own adversity during the game. So why not give him a couple more shots? I mean, Mitch wasn't doing anything after that. I feel like after the New England game, it should have been let's go, Kenny. Yeah, yeah. And we talked about that, right? We said a couple of times, like, now's the time to do it. Do it now. Do it here. Get yeah. reps in practice. And he didn't. So um, I understand. It's just that, it's just that one. It, it, it just irks me because it, we were one win away from making one the playoffs. Win. And I truly believe, and could disagree, but I truly believe we had a chance to maybe beat the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs. That Look, they, they've struggled, almost lost to a third string, Skylar Thompson in Miami. And if we don't screw up some of these early games against New England, Cleveland, the Jets, we're in the playoffs. That's and true. so it, it's hard for me not to, not to put some blame on Tomlin. That's true. Well, you know, I think – one one more thing we wanted to talk about, maybe just for 10 more minutes here. I know we're kind of running long, at least in terms of what we normally record. Oh, go ahead. You want to, you want to say? Well, I was going to say, before we go into that topic, I, I kind of have a good lead, like way to lead us into that. All right. I, I, have the, I have some stats. I'll run them off real quick with pre-buy and post-buy. Oh, yeah. So, sure. so, right, so these are all of our offensive stats, pre-buy, post-buy. Some of these are glaring. So we'll talk about the passing game to start. Before the buy, we were averaging 37 passing attempts a game. That's a lot. Wow. We were, only give, we were only throwing the ball for 204 yards a game. After the bye, we were, we were averaging 30.7 pass attempts per game and 198 yards. So we only lost six yards, but we also threw the ball six less times. Yeah. Okay. With that, we had the same number of passing TDs. Then rushing, we went from 20, 24 a game before the bye to 34 a game after the Huge. bye. Yeah. Went from 95 yards to 146 yards. Yep. Four touchdowns to twelve. It we we changed our formula and we focused more on the run and tried to play through the run. And with a rookie quarterback and with how our offense is set up, that's what we needed to do. Mm-hmm. And and so I do have to make that point that the second the second half of the year was a lot better. We scored twenty points, twenty one points a game as opposed to fifteen before the bye. So there definitely was some some pretty big uh, big changes and good improvements. But I just thought that was interesting. I don't think they handled the, the play calling or, or whatever, the, the game plan very well before the bye. But then when they had that week off to really talk about it, they figured it out and had a, had a much better approach to, to the games and game situations in the second half. Sure. Now, that said, there was still an overall lack of productivity, right? Yeah. And I think at least that's how, that's how we view it. And, and I think it's pretty clear that we know – the answer to, to why that is. And this is going to lead us just to our final topic here. Say it with me, Matt Canada. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and just for reference, today's January 24th. So it was just a few days ago. We found out Matt Canada is staying with the Steelers for the 2023 season. This is a really heated topic. I think across the fan base, across the sports media, I think even across the NFL, 
Um, so we just want to talk about that situation for just a couple minutes. And I think the way that I want to approach this, and, and you can chime in here whenever you know you have some some more data points, but um, I just want to go over the reasons why I think it makes sense to keep Matt Canada, and then the reasons that I think it makes sense to get rid of Matt Canada. And I just want to lead in with the reasons to keep Matt Canada. Let me go through mine really quickly, and then if you have anything to add or supplement, let me know. Sure. Um, number one, I think, is the continuity for Kenny. And... I've heard and I've read a lot about this and I will say admittedly as a fan, you don't think we don't think that this has as much of an impact as it actually does. Right? Like we think on the surface that we can just fire the coordinator, new guy comes in, picks up where they left off. Even if they start over, you know, it's pretty easy to pick things up or whatever in an NFL style offense. I've listened to a lot of players talk on podcasts and on TV, and that is not the case at all. Yeah, It really is a pretty significant change when you bring in a new coordinator and new coaches. And to do that to someone in their rookie year has a pretty significant impact. So I think that makes sense in that, in that piece or that realm. Well, and if it, just to back that up, if you look at like a recent, subject of that baker mayfield comes to mind number one overall pick has all the arm talent in the world but i think he went through four offensive coordinators in his first five seasons or something like that Mm -hmm. and look he's just not the same player anymore and you're right it's hard to learn an nfl offense and and to have to go that through that every single year is not easy yeah and then you know building on that kind of a secondary point would be we know that Kenny has a relationship with Matt Canada going back to Pitt. Yeah. Um, and, and the things we've heard Kenny say in the media, he's obviously not the type of guy, which is what we want, obviously not the type of guy to go in and bash Matt Canada and talk shit on him. But the, to me, it almost seems like Kenny actually does like Matt Canada. And again, maybe he's saying that maybe he's buttering up the media. Maybe he's just floating that in there, but I almost get the sense that he kind of likes him. Maybe he likes him as a person and he feels that there's room to grow. He's really getting integrated into the meetings now. It seems like they have a good relationship. Um, And again, Kenny's not going to be one that says, oh, we need to get rid of him stat. But uh, I think there's a relationship that's there with Matt Canada. And and that is part of the reason. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think he likes him as a person. He recruited him to Pitt. And, and so he has had a relationship for seven years or eight years or something like that. So he definitely feels comfortable with him, which is really important. But I think a lot of what he says he's saying because he has to. And, and I don't know. Maybe he does really like him. But Kenny's the kind of guy that's going to say the right thing and do the right thing. And I, I think that's partly why some of the things he says is very glowing of, yeah. of Matt Canada. Okay, so here's my final piece on why I think it makes sense that Matt Canada stays. He's still under contract. And the yeah. Steelers don't fire their coordinators. We it's let terrible. them ride out their contracts. And if they're not performing well, then we let them go so that we don't owe them any money. And then you mutually, um, I'm air quoting here, you part ways, right? I think that's kind of the- Or retire. Or retire. That's the Steelers way. And, and I don't like that that's the case because at the end of the day, Matt Canada is making a million bucks. And while a million bucks might seem like a lot of money to you and me and uh, maybe to our listeners, but- in, in the realm of things, that's not that much money to cut him off and just have to pay him a million bucks. Um, so I think that's a big piece that he's staying is that he's under contract and um, we don't fire coordinators. We just let them write out their contracts. Yeah. And 
<laughs> yeah, I mean that's what we did with Randy Feekner. That's what we did with Bruce Arians. That's where the the retire forced him to retire because his contract was over. That's what we did with Todd Haley. I mean that that's just that's what we did with um, Keith Butler last year. I mean that's just what we do. But it's not just us actually. The Ravens do it too. Greg Roman's the only he's not an offensive coordinator for Baltimore because his contract's up. Or they probably would have done the same. So it, it, I guess it is something that organizations do. But I don't like it. I, I don't. I don't know. It's tough. Yeah. Okay, so let's move into reasons why it makes sense to get rid of Matt Canada. There aren't any more reasons you have that make sense for him to say, are there? Uh, no. No, didn't think so. Okay, reasons it makes sense to get rid of him. Obviously, blatantly, the stats that we have yeah. that you mentioned. And I hear constantly that we improved, right? And you mentioned it too. We improved. Right, can, but can I say how – so we improved, right, and our numbers did go up. But I just said we, we averaged twenty point nine points per game in this after the bye. That's that's great. It's better than what it was. If you look at where that would rank for the full season in the NFL, that's still eighteenth. Right. We still are in the bottom half of the league. So that's my exact argument here is let's say I take a test and I get a forty percent. I fail it, right? Yeah. Let's say I take it a week later and I get a fifty percent. I improved, didn't I? <laughs> Sure yep, but it still failed. Still failed it, though. I think that's the most simple way to kind of look at this. Is That's a good, that's a good analogy. There was improvement, but I think it's still failure, at least from that side, when you look at um, an offensive productivity thing. I'm going to read one stat here to, that kind of ties that in. Yeah. Um, this is a stat that says the Steelers finished 23rd out of 32 teams in points per drive. Points per drive isn't necessarily the best stat to look at, in terms of truly mapping out off it's not bad though but it, it does tell a few signals um and and i think that this is is really worth mentioning here because all of the teams who finished worse than us 24th through 32nd got rid of either their offensive coordinator or the head coach let me read these really quickly new england fired their offensive coordinator arizona fired their head coach tampa bay fired their offensive coordinator tennessee Offensive coordinator, Washington, offensive coordinator, Jets, offensive coordinator, Denver, head coach, Houston, everyone, clearly. <laughs> yeah. And then Indy, head coach. So all of the teams that finish worse than us in points per drive, their play callers are gone. Um, yeah. So interesting that the Steelers are kind of, we draw the line in the sand there, right? We're, we're the retention. So um, just something interesting to bring up. I think number one, the glaring reason is the productivity sucks. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't really know if there's much for you. You have to say about it. I, I, when other, opposing teams know what you're running and your offense, it's a joke, but your offense looks like a high school offense. It's, I, I don't know why, how you can sit there and just be okay with it. And and here's my, one of my arguments that everybody says it's, it's hard for Kenny and, and I get that. And, and another new, and I do agree. It, it is hard to learn a new offense, but here's what I worry. And you don't want to do that early in his career. Here's what I worry about. Kenny was an old quarterback coming into the league, right? He was t- he's 24 years old right now. Yep. He turns 25 in June. He now has to spend another year with Matt Canada. So if let's say things go the same, we get rid of Matt Canada next year. His third season, he's learning a new offense. He's already 26 years old. And, and again, these guys can play until 45 or whatever, but he's 26 years old and we're wasting some, some very key years of his career with an offense that's not going to get us anywhere. And, and that to me is really frustrating. Yeah. I think that like ties the bow on, on kind of my point 
in terms of the productivity and the the piece of how we let our, our coordinators write out their contracts. I, you know, in today's, if, if I was a betting man, I, I would believe that Matt Canada will leave after next season, right? Yeah. He's done. So when his contract's up, he's gone. So exactly your point, right? Then you have to introduce all these variables at, at that point. So why not cut the head off now and get it over? With? Right. Well, and that doesn't even bring into the, the whole conversation that, okay, the best time to win a Super Bowl is when your quarterback's on the rookie deal. He would be three years into his five. That's true. And starting a new team. Our main pieces, TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, Minka, they're not getting any younger either. Our core wants to win now. Now, granted, we have a lot of problems and, and we're, we might not be ready to win right now. But I think we would be taking a bigger step forward to winning in the prime of some of our best players' careers with getting rid of Matt Canada now than keeping him. Yeah. And that's just kind of – I think you have to look for the longevity of the team, and I feel like we're wasting very valuable years. Yeah. I'm with you. So I don't agree with the decision here. Um, I don't either. I'm not happy with it, but I will say I understand it. And I understand it because of the ownership that's in place. Um, And hopefully, you know, we're forward looking and and there is improvement. Um, And I, I stand by this one remark that if Kenny actually likes him and Kenny supports him, then so do I, and I'm on board. Um, if Kenny can ride this and he can play well, then then I'm on board. I'll check you in uh, in September on that one. But no, I feel. I mean, no, I feel it's it's a good comment, and it's easy to say that now in January. We'll see how it goes next year, but we'll see. I'm not surprised that they kept him. I'm just I'm not real happy about it. Yeah. All right, man. Anything else you want to cover here? No, I think we we hit on a lot of good topics and wrapped up the season pretty well so hopefully this is a good wrap-up and everybody kind of we shed some light on some some of the things that went on this year and get you prepared for next year yeah this was a long one so thanks for everyone who is uh yeah if you made it through this one we appreciate it yeah we really do if you made it through for sure um and again we'll continue to put out some content in the off season and leading up to the draft so keep your eyes and ears out for any of that new content and if you have any suggestions for topics for us to kind of discuss or break down on an episode let us know Um, yeah we'll be looking for things to talk about so let us know if you have any ideas for sure all right guys thanks for listening we'll talk to you soon thanks everyone peace 